This is a Hot Pie Media Original. Welcome to Overcome with Justin Wren. This is the new podcast, and you are watching one of the very first episodes. I got to speak at Red Rocks Casino yesterday and record this podcast with Nick Santanastasso, who I think is one of the most incredible human beings alive today. I think you'll see why whenever you tune in to this show. But Nick is an incredible person to me, and I talked to him, and I said, I don't think I could find a better first guest for this podcast because you, my brother, have overcome so much. And that's one of the things with this podcast I want. I want this to be truly one of the most meaningful podcasts um, in the world. And one of the things I hear a lot from my maybe nine times on Joe Rogan's show or my TED Talk or my book is people say that I have overcome maybe more than the average person. But I believe that all of us are in the process of overcoming. And this next guest, uh, Nick Santamastasso, him and I, we were talking and we, we just kind of realized all of us have survived or overcome 100% of our darkest days. And now is our opportunity. Now is your opportunity to go shine that light and love with your friends, your family, your community, and this world. So tune into this story. I think you're going to be moved and compelled. And just for the podcast, since we're new, share this out. If this touches your heart, if this moves you, then go ahead and share this on your social, text it to a friend, email it to some co-workers, anything like that. But thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. We're going to do something really incredibly special through this community of Overcome Podcast. And uh, thank you for being here with me. You're an overcomer. Thank you for supporting me. Fight for the forgotten. I, I got to go get ready for these fights. So much love and uh, thank you. Man, I couldn't think of anyone more I'd want to have on as my first guest than you. Thank you, man. So, yes. Yeah, give me some. Man, I'm stoked, brother. Really grateful you're here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't just consider you a personal friend of mine, which I obviously do, but I consider you like one of the biggest inspirations of my life. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, brother. I, I see you as having a giant heart. But also, um, I don't know, a giant presence, a giant mindset, a mindset of a giant. Thank you. And uh, and you're just you're you're just a giant inspiration to me and so many others. I appreciate you. Yeah. I'm glad to have you on my team because you're a giant. You're a giant in all different ways, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So the way we met too mm. was went to a specific event and it yeah. didn't go the way that I wanted to. And yeah. I reached out to some buddies, and then that's how we hit it off. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you want to. Uh, sharing of that, but you got to meet Jim, who's our executive director yeah. at Fight for the Forgotten and a bunch of others. But um, for me, that moments like that take me back to childhood of like almost, I don't know if it's rejection or just like being excluded or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I find that a unique thing that we can connect on. And then because of that, though, something really good and beautiful came out of it, which is this friendship yeah. and this opportunity now. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think in in that sense, say we say even now in our adulthood that we go to specific things and maybe we, those feelings still come up. Um, we 
go back to the moments that we felt those things, hmm. right? So a lot of the times, because you and I can can relate in the sense of that we got picked on and we got bullied hmm. because we were a little bit different, right? right? A lot of it different. Yeah. And um, but what's interesting is like we may not remember, and and if it if it hits hard, you you'll remember the person's name and you remember the face, but most importantly, you remember how it made you feel. Yeah. Right. And so like even we can go through our adulthood and we can feel the same emotions and it'll actually bring us back to that very moment. Yeah. Right. And so what's interesting about humans is that we. We try to live in the present. A lot of us struggle with living in the present, but a lot of the times humans are mostly living in past emotions and past events, right? Like, have you ever had a moment where you were having a great day and all of a sudden your mind thought about a moment you had mm-hmm. in the past and you felt those emotions in the present? Absolutely. That's how humans live those emotions over mm-hmm. and over again every single day. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I have that all the time. I remember one time I went to, uh, I don't know why this just came up, but, um, you know, I've, I've been to the Dallas Mavericks. I've, I've been to their family and friends, like charity event and, uh, their Christmas party, different things like that. But one time I went to a poker event, it was a charity poker event and I walked in and for some reason I didn't feel like I belonged. Mm. And there's all these celebrities, guys I looked up to from childhood. Um, there's Herschel Walker, there's Dirk Nowitzki, there's Jason Kidd, Jason Terry, all these guys. I'm supposed to sit at the poker table with them. And when I walked in there, I literally, I I didn't, no one came up and approached me and I, I didn't know how to approach them. And so I was a guest, but I ended up going to the bathroom. I remember I called a friend and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, should I leave? And they're like, what do you mean? Should you leave? You're invited. Yeah. And, uh, and it wasn't anything anyone did to me, but it was just like something came up in that moment. And then I ended up going back out and playing and I'm getting like third in that charity poker tournament. I beat out Herschel Walker. Good thing you didn't go home. Yeah, yeah. Good thing I didn't go home. But I literally thought about leaving. I thought about leaving. And, uh, it's crazy that even at, whatever it was, 26, 27 years old at the time, being a professional fighter, ultimate fighter, that kind of stuff. Like people think you have confidence because you're a professional athlete or mm. you've done this or that. Um, but there's certain moments where, no, you get taken back to childhood and you relive those yeah. memories. Yeah. So what are some of yours? I mean, I, I didn't really introduce I'll do an introduction for this, but yeah, this yeah. Nick Santanastasso, one of my great friends, uh, I mean, you have done so much in your young life. You've done a lot. Thank you started with wrestling. I mean, uh, you've been speaking for Tony Robbins, introducing him. You know, he thinks you're an incredible inspiration. Um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson post about you. You guys working out together. You're flipping tires, climbing. Um, what is that? Camelback? Yeah. I mean, snowboarding. I regret that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, man. But for people that don't know, I think you say that... What about mindset? You got a great quote about yeah. a disability. And- yeah. I tell people over the 25 years of my life, it's not the physical body that holds us back, but the biggest disability you can have is a bad mindset. Mm. It's your conditioning. It's your software, right? So we talk about how, you know, for example, um, you remember the old flip phones. If you now, if you put the old flip phone software into an iPhone, how would the iPhone perform? Mm. It wouldn't perform, right? Because the system is outdated. And so what most people don't realize is like from the moment you and I were born, despite the physical differences that we were born with and disadvantages, which is your outdated software. So our brain is 2 million years old, Mm. right? So our brain's been around. We have the same brain. Some are bigger, some are smaller, but we have the same brain from 2 million years ago. I got a a giant brain, right? Um, But that brain is from 2 million years ago. And when there was cavemen, you know, roaming around the earth, they were fearful of a saber-toothed tiger coming to kill them and their tribe. Mm. Well, the difference is now we have the same brain, but there's no more saber-toothed tiger coming to kill you and your tribe. Mm. But fear is still there. 
right? So now we don't have a fear of a saber-toothed tiger. We have fear of failure. We have fear of rejection. We have fear of not being enough. We have fear of not being loved. We have fear of public speaking. Mm. These are some of the top fears that cripple and handicap some of the biggest human beings. And so not only was I born into this world with some physical disadvantages, but we're all born with an outdated software. Mm. And so just like you, I, I struggled growing up. Yeah. I, I struggled with, and I think the secret sauce is confidence and we're going to get mm-hmm. into that. Um, but I struggled with self-worth. I struggled with feeling worthy enough. I struggled with feeling accepted. And like you said, like we can still have moments in our adulthood where that little kid comes down and we yeah. feel that we, we, we shrink, right? right? I mean, I'm sure. I don't know if I can shrink anymore, <laughs> but we, we shrink down because we, we relive those moments in the past. And so for me, um, to give some context of why I look like this. Yeah. Why, why don't you share just for people that are listening and not watching yeah. the video, what would, what would be the medical condition? I forget what it yeah. was called. And even the story with your, your, your mother and parents. Yeah. It's called sexiness syndrome. Sexiness. So I'm 20. You are too handsome. <laughs> for, for, for those that aren't watching, I, I, I encourage you, if you're listening, go, go look at this. Man, oh, thank Cause you, I've seen them on the runways actually <laughs> as a model and also first form. You're an yeah, athlete yeah, for them. Uh, one of the best supplement brands out there. Yeah. So um, yeah. So why I look like this for those that are watching, I'm born. I and mean, for those that are listening, I look like a unicorn. I'm born with no legs, one arm. Right. But I'm 25 years old. And in 1996, my, my mom went in for a late ultrasound and, you know, they brought my parents in and they, they pulled the baby up on the screen and suddenly the doctor started, you know, freaking out like low key. And they were like, well, what's going on? And they said, well, from the looks of it, it doesn't look like your baby's limbs are being developed. It looks like he's missing his arms, his legs, his face might be messed up. Clearly, my face wasn't messed up. Yeah, but these are, all, <laughs> thank you. these are all the things that they said were wrong with me. Yeah. And in that moment, they classified me with the medical condition called Hanhart syndrome. And Hanhart syndrome is a super rare genetic disorder that either leaves the babies with undeveloped limbs or undeveloped organs. Wow. And so at the time of my birth in 1996, I was the 12th baby in medical history that they've ever seen this happen to. And out of the 12, eight of them have passed away due to undeveloped organs, Mm. meaning the babies are born and they can't eat on their own. They can't breathe on their own. And they later on pass away. And so they looked at my parents and said, your boy has about a 30% chance to live. Now for the parents listening, like, how do you react? You don't, you don't know how you react unless you're in that situation. And my parents made a a massive promise. And that promise was that they were going to focus on the 30% chance of me living rather than Mm -hmm. the 70% chance of me dying. So important. The reason being is what we focus on, we'll get more of. What we focus on expands, right? Yes. And it's so easy to focus on the negative because there's negativity all around you. Yeah. Um, and so I was born and they did tests on my organs and my organs came back 100% healthy. Yeah. And the only thing that was affected were my limbs, being born with no legs and one arm and this unicorn body. Yeah. Wow, man. Well, I, I, think, I think your story, your parents, I mean... For me, you know, the, you see so many people repeat generational cycles, mm. you know, I've even yeah. been in that and had to break through some of those to try to not repeat uh, the things that come from my family line, you know, lineage. And for you having those kind of parents that had that mindset, I think it, it's planted a seed into you that sprouted just deep roots. Mm. And then from that has come great fruit. Yeah. And, and I am someone and anyone listening to this is, is benefits from being able to sit in the shade of that tree uh, that your parents planted that seed of. And, um, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Well, I think it first hit me whenever I got with, uh, my beautiful, um, lovely lady and we'll get to your, your yeah, lovely yeah. lady as well. But, uh, I just told her I'm grateful to sit in her shade and uh, that she's done the work. Yeah. She's done a lot of hard work. She's overcome a lot. 
And she's encouraged and inspired me to overcome a lot in my life. Um, so thank you, Amy Edwards, who's actually in the room. I love you. And um, yeah, I just tell her thank you that me and her, her two lovely daughters, uh, Sydney yeah. and Gigi, get to get to sit in her shade. I'm glad you get to sit in her shade as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too, man. She makes me better. Yeah. And uh, but really, man, like your parents, you know, taking that news and believing in you. Um, I think sometimes we can borrow people's belief in ourselves All the time. because sometimes we're, we're the ones that don't believe in us the most. Good and bad. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mostly bad. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Let's go into it. Right. Yeah, let's go I into mean, it. well, so, so from the moment I was born, right? Like the doctors handed over my parents a list and they were like, all right, he'll, he'll never feed himself and never adjust himself and never be financially independent. Your son will basically be a big baby for the rest of his life. Right. And that is wow. although, and, and imagine the power that those belief has when someone of authority tells you. Wow. Right. Not just not just a friend, a but it's someone in a white coat. Yeah. Someone in a white coat tells you that and then you believe it and what you believe you get more of. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, my parents going against the grain, I think, uh, who knows, it could have been ego. It could have been I don't know what it is, but they're like, screw that. Like, we're going to go against the grain and we're going to see what he's capable of doing. And so but they also said, you know, I asked my parents, I interviewed them as well. And they're like, well, you are our last child. So we had some split testing, you know, like we, <laughs> we had a, a three other kids that we could like figure out how to parent because. No one really knows how to parent until you do it. You know, yeah. you're, 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 there's never a perfect time. You just kind of figure right. it out as you go. So me being the last child, they had a few split tests, you know. Um, but one of the biggest advantages my my parents gave me was they treated me normal. Yeah. You know, and what's interesting, and this isn't a plug, but my mom, she wrote a book and the title is How We Raise an Adaptive Child in a Handicapped World. Say that title one more time. How We Raise an Adaptive Child in a Handicapped World. Wow. Meaning... And I'm not a parent, but but for those that are listening, let's listen to this with an open mind, yeah. right? This this podcast and this interview may get you uncomfortable. That's good. That means you're growing. It means that we Ooh. probably hit some things that let's hit home with you, brother. right? Um, but a lot of the times, and I'm not a parent, but parents coddle. Mm. And they hide kids from pain and they hide them from the real world. And then what happens if you hide your son and daughter from the real world or real pain? And then when they get 18 and they come out of the house, they get smacked in the face by reality. Good luck. You know, and wow. so in, in the situation of my parents was that I had three other siblings. My brother was a wrestler and mm -hmm. he beat the shit out of me, like, you know, in a good way. This yeah, isn't yeah, my yeah. child abuse, you know, <laughs> but like practice wrestling moves on me and I got right. beat up on my siblings. And my dad even told me as, as an adult, he's like, Nick, I didn't put, you know, stepping stools and little hoops on the doors for you because that's not real. The world's not going to adapt to you. You have to adapt to the world. Wow. And so they gave me they gave me that. Um, but also my parents would put my clothes in front of me and they say, okay, figure it out. Or they put my, you know, my food there and they say, figure it out. And and as a, an adult, I didn't realize what they were doing in the moment. But as I analyzed my childhood, there was two things they were doing. The first thing was, well, there was three things. I'll give them three things. The first thing that they were doing was at a very early age, I developed an empowering relationship with failure. Now, if you ask most people, I speak, um, I speak all over the world and I notice patterns in people and I can ask people, what's your relationship with failure? They think it's bad, mm. right? Because somewhere down the line, your parents told you don't fail or it's not good to fail or someone outside. You, you got beliefs casted you by someone else that failure is bad. But you and I both agree that all of our greatest successes were a bunch of failures led to that success. Yeah. And so people right now, they can reflect on their relationship with failure like those that are listening. And there's a little quote that I created and it's a little rhyme. It says, if failure is a friend, you'll learn to the end. If mm. failure is a foe, you never grow. Mm. So you can ask yourself, are you leaning into failure? 
Just for people so they don't have to rewind. <laughs> yeah. Say that again. Yeah. If failure is a friend, you'll mm. learn till the end. Yes. If failure is a foe, you will never grow. Wow. And so if there's parents listening right now, maybe you listen to this with an open mind. And every time at the dinner table, you ask your son or daughter, hey, what'd you fail at today? Because mm. what is that going to do? That's encourage them to realize, oh, I want to fail more. Yeah. And failure is not so bad. Mm-hmm. It's not win or lose, it's win to learn. Yeah, Nelson Mandela. Yeah. That's Nelson Mandela quote. Yeah. I love that quote. Yeah, he's 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 so inspiring. To me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's incredible, brother, because there is so many times in our life, I don't think I started to develop resilience or see failure as an opportunity to overcome until I found the sport of wrestling, uh-huh. um, yeah, which yeah. you can relate to big yeah. time, but you learned it from, I mean, you, life. Yeah. From, from the earliest age. Yeah. And, and you were presented with a choice and you had the encouragement around you and those people around you. But, but, but at the end of the day, it's your choice. Am I going to, am I going to cave into this? Am I going to crumble under the pressure? I mean, when I'm so grateful for that, the, the serendipitous moment that brought us together at the event, you know, because because of that moment, you were able to, I was able to run around with you that whole week, weekend, and we were able to, to, to room together, go to yeah. meals together and the watch whole UFC time, together. watch you see together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and we really bonded, but I also learned because I hadn't had so much of an up and close personal like relationship with someone that I love that had challenges. Yeah. And so being able to, you know, walk around, push your wheelchair, or even just see you eat. You know, you had to learn that. When when did you learn to start even using a fork? Because that, to me, I just watched in awe of <laughs> like, I, I really did. I think yeah. that's something incredible because it goes back to the childhood and you deciding then, yeah, like I'm gonna do this, yeah, and I'm not gonna be considered different except for in amazing, incredible, inspiring yeah. ways. Yeah, that's so. a great question. It, and so at first learning to eat like my my parents would make like adaptions right and then i finally got i got this spoon that was made it's it's they still make it and it's made for people with arthritis and it really just like wraps around your arm or wraps around your wrist and so i could eat like that now what's interesting is that was the spoon that i used my entire life and then when i started getting into my teenage years and my adult years and i had friends and we'd go out to eat i'd always forget my spoon Oof. and so there was like one time where like <laughs> i can I, relate i forget yeah. my keys in my pocket yeah, exactly i forget my spoon yeah. right and so um i got fed up with like forgetting my spoon to the point i was like i'm just gonna use a regular fork i'm just gonna use a regular spoon i'm gonna figure it out and as an adult like figure it out like i stab this and flip it up like i can eat it and then it solved the problem that i never have to remember my spoon or or my friends never have to remember my spoon again that's how i actually learned how to eat wow. with a regular fork or a regular spoon because i got fed up with forgetting my spoon at home mm. interesting right? yeah, yeah that is interesting yeah you can use some of those times that you're most i don't know like fed up or uncomfortable or like frustrated you know to push through and say, Agreed. okay, I'll find another way. Agreed. I think I tried this door, didn't work, or I forgot this. I'm going to do better and I'm just going to adapt. Yeah, for sure. I think, well, yeah, there's two reasons why people change. Um, it's either pain or pleasure. Mm. And, but humans will always run away from pain 
faster than the run towards pleasure. Yeah. And so usually our change or a transformation in our life comes where we hit a threshold or a pain threshold. And so maybe for you in your life, the pain threshold was bullying. Maybe for you in your life, your pain threshold is you looked in the mirror and you're 200 pounds overweight and you said, I had enough. This is it. Right. Or maybe for you, you've been in a relationship and it got to the point where it's so toxic that you hit your threshold. Mm. Um, but why wait for pain to change? Mm. Why do we wait till pain to change when we can change right now? Maybe. I don't know. I, yeah. That's a trick question. Maybe it's yeah, a trick yeah, question. Yeah. No, I think, I think we, I don't know, because from fighting, we can have a little bit of a sadistic kind of look at pain where it's like yep. you can almost enjoy it once, once, once it's competitive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's competitive, it's, yeah, there's a purpose behind the it. The purpose in the pain. Right. That's a good quote. Yeah, purpose yeah, in the someone pain. Someone note that. Purpose in the pain. Purpose in the pain. <laughs> there always is. Yeah. And um, if you want it to be, there's always purpose. In there's the always pain. a gift if you want to find it. Yes. I love that. What do you think? Uh, why, why do we wait until there's enough pain to make change? Uh, I, I can relate this to when I went to treatment, when I went to rehab, yep. um, I was about to lose everything and would had gone through a divorce. Um, we had tried counseling for like two years. We'd done everything we knew we could. We spent 60 grand one year in counseling. I was going Monday, Friday, she was going Tuesday, Thursday. And then we went together on Wednesday and whenever went through that pain, went through some other pain, then relapsed hard. Um, then, you know, fight for the forgotten. I've, I'm so grateful that I have an incredible board mm. that one protects me, but mostly is going to protect the organization. That is what I love most. So when they protect that, they protect me. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I had so much pain that one, they were not just encouraging saying you have to do this. <laughs> um, but two, I finally realized like, I have not, this is the one thing, the addiction is the one thing I haven't been completely, totally honest about. And it's the one thing I haven't, I've always sought help. Um, whenever it came to wrestling, whenever it came to speaking, cause that was my number one fear. I, I remember my armpits would sweat, my hands would shake. I'd have sweat running down my arm into my palms. Um, and I had a speech therapist, you know, from like kindergarten to sixth grade. And, uh, really intensively from kindergarten to second, but whenever it came to this addiction, I said, I got it and I'd white knuckle it. And I wouldn't ask for help. I wouldn't look for training partners or coaches or mentors to help me do it. I thought that just having the purpose of fight for the forgotten and just having, um, you know, other things that I was doing like that would keep me away from it. But somehow, some way I would end up relapsing and there'd be stints of four or five, six years, but then they would get shorter or they would get, maybe the frequency wouldn't be like a month out, maybe it'd be nine days out or five days out, but those nine or five days, like I could almost lose my life. Oh. And so that last time I relapsed, looking at that pain, I flew down to, to Mexico by myself and it was two flight attendants four pilots or sorry, two pilots, four flight attendants and me, cause this was COVID. And I went down there with a one-way ticket thinking I'm not coming back. And, um, cause of the addiction gripped me so much. I thought I was going to die and I didn't die, um, from an overdose attempt. So that was my second attempt at suicide. Brother, it was even after you wrote the song and released, can you hear me? Yeah. And, um, and coming back, I, I one, I watched the most gorgeous, beautiful masterpiece of a sunrise I ever watched the day after I attempted to take my life. And I took a big gasp, like something like 16, 18 hours after passing out. And I was like, shit, I'm still here. I'm alive. Yeah. 
and I got back and I got in the water in the ocean in Mexico. And I, I just felt like a whisper in my spirit. It was God telling me, you're not done yet. Yeah. Like, uh, this isn't your legacy, you know, having done what I could and then giving up to the addiction and killing myself because of it. You know, and I think, I think getting that second chance, a second suicide attempt, I looked at it and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't the way I'm going out. I should have died, but I didn't. And I think that pain was like, I don't know why I waited for it to get that bad, but I think sometimes with addicts or things like that, depression, suicide attempts, it takes something like that to like wake up that wake up call. Yeah. Maybe that's what the pain is, is a wake up call where it's like, do I want to continue in the cycle and in this pain or is there a solution? Yeah. And so I finally ran towards the solution. And I think that I'm, by the way, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, man, um, thank and you. I think also sometimes we're scared to ask for help. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, because we may feel embarrassed or we may feel unworthy. Right. And, and I think this, this is where this stems from in, in the brain is, have you ever heard uh, big boys don't cry? Yeah, of course. That's, that's part of the problem. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you tell at a, as a young kid, right, you tell them big boys don't cry. What does that mean to them? Mm-hmm. They believe that and they say, I should never be weak. I should never cry. I should never be vulnerable. I never should be transparent. Mm especially about what I'm going through. Yeah. Um, and I think, and, and we don't need to go down this rabbit hole. Right. But yeah. I think, and for those that are listening with an open mind, I think it's pretty challenging to be a man mm. in the sense of they don't, no one cares what's wrong. You're a man, suck it up, mm. deal with it, deal with it. Like you said, white knuckle it. Yeah. Right. For, and so for a the, fighter, you, you just, you're used to fighting on your own a yeah. lot of times. Yeah. And that's how I felt in bullying. And that's why I found fighting because yeah. it was like, um, if I'm a fighter, I won't get bullied. And if I'm a fighter, I won't, maybe I'll be invited to a party instead of so the laughing stock. Right. right? Yeah. Mine was wrestling. I yeah. said, if I be a wrestler, maybe the girls will like me. Well, go, go, go into that a little bit. How you even had the thought I can, I can do this. And even, yeah, yeah. even I would love to hear the story yeah. about your arm. So getting in middle school and high school is super, super hard, super challenging for me. Um, there is, and I'll share this to give context, context, it'll bring it, bring it forward. Um, but I was on a bus one time and there was a girl to the left of me and she was making fun of everyone. And she got up to me and I still, I know exactly who she is and Mm -hmm. where she, like, I know everything. Right. Um, still to this day. And she looked at me and she was like, I don't even have to start with you. You're already too messed up. Look at yourself. Wow. And I'm like 12, I'm like 13 years old. Now what happens is a few things happen in yourself and in your brain when that happens, right? The first thing that happens is I start asking myself questions or I start believing it. Like, why me? Why does she have to make fun of me? Maybe I am disgusting. Maybe girls don't like me. The same thing for you when they said, you're worthless. You started to believe that yeah. or else you wouldn't, you wouldn't have attempted or you wouldn't gone down that route if you didn't believe what they said, but you did. They casted something on you and you believed it and you rode with it. Um, and so wow. the same thing for me, I was like, um, girls don't like me. I'll never go to my senior prom. I'll never go to my high school prom. I'll never have a family, all that stuff. And so from middle school on until high school, I had a terrible relationship with females in the sense of like, I thought all the girls were staring at me and they didn't like me and I was disgusting. And because of that event, I didn't go to my junior prom. I didn't go to my senior prom. I was like, screw that, like stubborn, like girls don't like me. And that was just my belief, yeah. right? Because of that specific event, I stemmed a belief. Um, and then it wasn't until and I'll get into the wrestling story too, but it wasn't until I asked myself a better question about my body. So for the majority of my life, I'd be like, well, this is the most disgusting thing. You're born with no legs, one arm, it's the biggest curse. 
Um, but the way that your brain works is it's, it's a problem solving mechanism. And so if you ask your brain a question, it's going to give you an answer. Yes or no, right? It's always going to give you an answer. So that means if you ask yourself a shitty question, what kind of answer do you get? Shitty one. Answer, and if yeah. you have a great question, you get a great answer. Yeah. But mo most of people are going through life asking terrible questions. So they get terrible answers. And that's why I have terrible results in their life. Mm. Right. So I asked myself a better question and Gosh, I said, <laughs> I asked myself a better question and I said, you know, what's good about your no legs or an arm. What's mm. the gift in it? And I realized I, I reframe, this is the power of reframing, yes. which we know. I reframe body image, realizing if a girl doesn't want to love me because my no legs of an arm, if someone doesn't want to be friends with me because my no legs of an arm, well, wait, maybe this disability, whatever you want to call it, is actually working for me. Yeah. And it's filtering out the it's type of women and men that I don't want in my body. Yeah, it's a filter. Yeah. Right. And so my life changed. When you change your story or you change the meaning, you change your life. And yeah. I changed the meaning around my body, realizing like, oh, this is easy now. Like most people who have a full body, they have to like analyze a lot to see if these people are really in it for them. Like I could clearly tell people don't like me if they don't like my no legs, one arm. It's an easy. Out. Yeah. Well, if they don't have, if they can't see through that, yeah. they're not worth it. It's not even worth time. my time. It's not even the right person. Yeah. Right. But during that time I was my, like similar to you, you're like, if I fight, maybe I'll get invited. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, if I'm a wrestler, maybe the girls will like me. I thought wrestler, they're still the coolest thing on earth. Right. <laughs> and, but the reason I being agree. is, my older brother, my older brother was a wrestler mm. and, um, I just want to be like my brother and I'm from New Jersey. So wrestling's a big deal. And so by the time I got into high school, my best friends are wrestlers and they're like, dude, you should try wrestling. You try a bunch of things. Why don't you try wrestling? And at the time, um, this arm, and for those that are listening, it's my right arm. We call it the potato. So if you can think of a potato right now, it kind of looks like potato, but it used to look like a chicken wing. And yeah. the reason why I look like a chicken wing is because this arm was five inches longer than it is now. And my bone was going faster than my skin. So it was super sensitive and the bottom line is if I would have hit my arm hard enough, my bone came through my skin. So he always used to hide it and it was very sensitive and being solution oriented, like you mentioned earlier, focusing on the solution versus the problem. I was like, what are the ways that I can become a wrestler? And I had a drive because there was multiple reasons. Wrestling, I'd be labeled as an athlete when I said mm. I couldn't. The girls would like me. Maybe I'll get invited to the parties. Maybe I'll finally love myself, right? Like these yeah. are these are the our driving, driving factors. And so I came home day and I sat and pulled my parents down. I was like... I want to become a wrestler. My mom's like, oh no, you know, like God forbid you hit your arm and your bone comes to your skin. I was like, well, can we cut my arm off? Wow. Yeah. And, I was, and they're like, what do you mean cut your arm off? I was like, I don't know. Doctors can do some crazy things out there. Can we cut my arm off? Can we do something about it? What was mom's expression or statement? I mean, I know it was, what's now, what, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. They were shocked, but what's interesting Did is... Did they think you were crazy? Yeah, a little bit. I'm a little crazy, but successful people are a little crazy. Yeah, you got to be a little yeah, crazy, right? Sure. And so, what was interesting is when I was born, the doctors wanted to do a bunch of things to me that my parents denied. Mm. And so, for example, like, they were like, well, let's chop his finger finger off. He won't need it. And they're like, no. Yeah. And they're like, well, let's split it into two. So, he has two fingers. And they're like, no. And then they're like, well, let's put... Um, rods in his quads. I'm not trying to rhyme, but you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Rods in our quads <laughs> and bone lengthening. So maybe he has a better chance of having prosthetics. And they were like, no, 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 because that's Nick's choice. That's Nick's body. And he doesn't, he doesn't have a voice yet. Ooh. And so when I brought forth the solution of amputating my arm that, and they knew it was going to better so the quality of my life it. and better the quality of my life, yeah. they were like, in. Yeah. He brought forth the solution. It wasn't us. We knew it was painful, but he's got to want to do it. Okay. And so since I wanted to do it, they're like, all right, let's chop your arm off. Let's do it. Not my parents, of course, the doctors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my sophomore <laughs> year, my parents went ahead and scheduled the appointment to amputate my arm. And uh, they lasered five inches of the bone off. Um, they pulled, they did a skin graft where they pull extra skin over my bone. And I remember looking at the doctor, I'm like, I need to beat someone over the head with this when I come out. Like I got to do some <laughs> physical activities with this thing. Right. And so I came out 
Um, and the surgery went great and I was the happiest kid that just cut his arm off and life was great. <laughs> and uh, I tried out for my wrestling team. And you know, in your, your sports, you have your JV and your varsity. I was JV my junior year. And um, I went into the room and I was like, guys, you need to like beat me up. Like, don't hold back on me because if you hold back on me in practice, I'm going to get my ass kicked when we go out in a real exactly. match. That person ain't going to hold back on me. Right. Um, same thing for life. Notice the yeah. same the same teachings. Like my dad didn't hold back on me. I got as an early age with a kid with no legs on arm. I got my ass kicked by life. This is the result of getting my ass kicked by life. Now mm-hmm. I kick life's ass, right? Yes. So that's how it goes, right? And Beautiful. so I got my ass kicked in wrestling. And then my senior year, I was the 106 pound varsity wrestler from my high yes. school. And um, I started, that's not easy to do in Jersey, right? Yeah, not not easy to do. Now, yeah. I'll, I'll share a little insight, a little context. Um, and this is a lesson and I'll share the lesson afterwards. Just for but, people that don't know wrestling in states like New Jersey is one of the top yeah. states in the country. So they're one of the tops. Now, the 106 pounder. I think this might be the first podcast I've ever okay. shared this far, right? But the, <laughs> but the, one, the, the 106 pounder uh-huh. that you had to wrestle off. Wrestle right? off, yeah, for yeah. Sure. I lost my wrestle off to him. Well, his grades weren't good enough. He got kicked off the team. Guess who's there? I'm there. That's how I got my. But the lesson is: listen to me. Most people aren't persistent enough to get the results they want in life. Right. That's it. They don't stay the course long enough. Mm-hmm. And so if I was like, well, shit, I'm JV. Like I might as well not even try. I might as well quit. I would have never saw the opportunity once he failed off to be the 106 pounder. Mm-hmm. So despite how you make it, you stay the course. And brother, there's two things. One I want to dig into, but most people won't do what it takes or what is necessary to succeed, to overcome whatever challenge faces them. But I also think if we go deeper, drill into, uh, I love drilling water wells, right? So drill into the tactics or or, or whatever it takes to, you were willing to to cut your arm off, not just for the chance to wrestle, but what I'm hearing or interpreting is like to love yourself, like your life depends on Mm -hmm. it, love yourself enough to, I will sacrifice this which ultimately to you, you didn't see as a sacrifice. Like this is, this is the way that I'm going to become the person that I actually want to be. Yeah. And so, yes, mom, dad, let's go get this appointment. Yes. Doctor cut this off. Yes. Teammates kick my ass because this is going to make me better. Yeah. Let me tell you why I feel so good today. Why is it? Well, you're listening to our first episode of overcome with Justin Wren. I'm so grateful for you. Listening to this show, I really want it to be one of the most meaningful podcasts in the world. That is my goal, and I'm going to do it with your help. I can't do it without you. Thank you for being part of this community and this tribe. Another tribe I'm so grateful to be part of, along with my Pygmy family and their tribe, is the Onnit tribe. The reason I love them so much is they have decided to sponsor this show, which Sponsorship dollars from the show give a percentage back to Fight for the Forgotten, the nonprofit I'm the founder of. But also, if anyone donates on onit.com's website, they're going to match it dollar for dollar. If someone gives five bucks, it becomes 10. If someone gives 100, it becomes 200. I absolutely love on it. I've been taking their supplements. I've not been a sponsored athlete of theirs for seven or eight years. I've just taken it because I love them. I love Joe Rogan. I appreciate Aubrey Marcus and everything he, uh, the influence he's had in my life, but the company of on it themselves, I go there, I work out there. They're helping me make a comeback to mixed martial arts. As I start this show, I just worked out there yesterday and my chest 
and shoulders are dying <laughs> right now. I mean, I'm so incredibly sore, but I think that this first episode was kicked off to such a great start and it wasn't possible without on it. And also my conversations, I, I just feel very present whenever I'm taking alpha brain, they just released a new product. Maybe you've tried alpha brain in the past and you've been a fan. Hey, maybe you haven't been, but I always feel alpha brain and alpha brain black label is the next level. It is so good. It gets you in that flow state quicker and you stay there longer. Have Actually, you noticed Amy a just big brought difference? it up. I, yeah. The you have? Because yeah. I haven't tried it yet and I really want to. Well, I, I haven't shared it with you. I'm sorry about that. I, <laughs> no, you took I, it. <laughs> I did take it. And, so uh, what difference do you notice between like the packets that you've used before and this black label? Well, so uh, Alpha Brain, you can take daily. Yeah. Alpha Brain black label. I would not take that daily. I would, I would, uh, you could do it every other day or you, I would save it. I, I'm saving it for podcast days and I'm training it for those days that I'm running low on fuel. That maybe it says, I have it says two extreme or three. productivity. Yeah. And I believe that because I mean, alpha brain for me, I just feel more focused and I'm more present and I'm there for it. But, um, black label has some caffeine in it, but it's natural plant-based caffeine. And I am a guy that needs a little bit of caffeine, not a lot. And that that's what this product has been designed for. It's not a lot but it is some. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I think also just, well, just it that. says on the thing, alpha brain black label is the ultimate break glass in case of emergency must get stuff done now formula. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There it is. Said it better Hell than yeah. I could say it, but mm -hmm. I love it. And the packaging is badass. Uh, it was actually the coolest supplement package I've ever opened anywhere, which they always, it looks so sexy. Good. It looks like something Joe Rogan, Aubrey, or Juan, or any of those guys. Like you just think, what's the perfect supplement? Like mm -hmm. this is it. The packaging and it absolutely delivers with the contents inside of it. But I think that goes to talk about not just the look on the surface, but the heart, the heart of on it as a company and the heart they have to not just make the best supplement to, to literally give your body what it needs because they care about you. But also they, they care about what I love. They care about the pygmy people that I love. They care about the impact I want to make here. They care about the homes that we're building for people, the water wells. That we're, yes, they do. Like that's, they, that is optimization in every way, like in your heart, is. in your soul. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So I love them uh, so much. Uh, Joe's been there. Aubrey's been there for me in times of need as a friend, as a human being. And they have always encouraged me. They've always lifted me up in my passions. Whenever I left fighting, I, I literally left on a winning streak and I said I wasn't coming back or I didn't know if I was coming back. They were still there for me. It wasn't just because of what I did. It was because of who I am. And that speaks tes a testament to who they are and them as a company. So I'm so grateful. If you want to go to onit.com, please do try out some of these supplements if you haven't. Um, please do and use the, the code overcome. That's how we track that. It came through this podcast and they're donating, they're donating to us. And, uh, so save yourself some money. If you'd like to donate, they will match it dollar for dollar. And I'm so grateful. Yeah, right. You, you can are... take what you save and donate it to fight for the God. Hey, yeah, what an idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. And I hope that you are truly enjoying this episode with Nick Santanastasso, one of the most badass human beings I've ever known. He's an incredible man. I mean, that is just an incredible metaphor that you were willing to cut five inches off of your arm for the rest of your life. And that 
I believe was a ripple effect into the, all these other amazing oh, things. You've it done. started it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it started, it started the journey of like finding self-worth and confidence, which I want to, uh, I want to dive yeah. into. Um, but also for those that are listening, like to ask a few questions, um, about the, about the arm story. And right. the reason why I, I, I'll ask the audience a lot of questions is because if I sit on this podcast and I say, this is the way, and this is yeah, the way yeah, people yeah. Are like, screw that. But if I ask right. you a question that you find your own answer, you're going to take action on your own answer, not mine. Yeah. Right. So great leaders, what you notice, they lead people to the right answers with the right questions. Yeah. So a um, few questions, right? Uh, I, I chopped my arm off, right? Maybe for you, it's not a limb, but what are the very beliefs that you need to cut off that no longer serve you? That you know that you say over and over again. And these are beliefs. I'll give you some thought joggers in case you're like, no, I don't have beliefs. You have the beliefs. The beliefs are I'm not good enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have the resources. My whole family's overweight. My whole family never made it through college. It's these just genetic. Yeah. yeah. And talk, you were talking about generational curse, like hurts. breaking that. Yeah. Like, I love that you said that because even now as an adult, I mean, we're going all over, which I love this. We can just yeah. go all over. Like, even as an adult, like you can, you can analyze your parents and say, I like that. And I don't like that. Mm. Like, I want to be like that. And I don't want to be like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, which, by the way, like no hate to our parents, because we can all liberate ourselves from our childhood, realizing that our parents did the best yes, they, they could, could with what they knew mm. and their software. Yeah. It's all they knew. Yeah. We can't blame them for it. Right. The only thing we can do is go and unwire it and rewire something greater. Yeah. Right. Wow. And and, and so I, we're going all over the place, but I one like thing it. that I love <laughs> yes, uh, about podcast is this is a new resource for us, our generation, and even our parents' generation, but they didn't have this. They didn't yeah. have these long form discussions. Like the the mainstream media came in and it's all sound bites, you know, yeah, two, yeah. three minute clips, 20 yeah. second clips. And like now we have the access. I mean, you've gone on the biggest podcast in the world. I've been grateful to yeah. be able to do something similar. And those great minds that we get to surround ourselves, we get to upgrade our software quicker and always. quicker and quicker always. It's at our fingertips. If you choose to. Choose. What are you going to, yeah. How are you going to filter that? What are you going to, what are you going to put in here? Yeah. Right. I wow. think what's also cool, what would just spark my brain is like podcasts, like your kids will be able to watch all your podcasts Yeah. and like wow. see your life or like same for me. Wow. Like we'll actually like, that. in a sense, we live forever Yeah. through our interviews. But like, imagine though, like the secret sauce your kids will learn if they listen to podcasts rather than MTV. Hmm. Shout out to MTV. I'm not hating yeah, on you, yeah, but I'm just saying yeah, it brings yeah. some more value. Sure. Right? <laughs> but when I'm, that's the thing. Like, yeah, this is pretty cool. That's the same thing with vlogging or like your YouTube yeah. videos and stuff. Like our parents, like they didn't get to vlog. Mm. They didn't get to document their life. And now like when your kid's born, he's like five years old. It's like, hey, let's sit down on the couch. Look at dad. He just started his business. Look at dad. He's on Joe Rogan's podcast. Look at yeah. dad. He's fighting people. Look at dad. He's building wells. Like you'll be able wow. to just be like, here, here's my movie. Wow. Right. And then when you go, which we're never fully gone, but when you go, there's like, shit, my, I still got a bunch of my dad. I can watch them all the time. You know, wow. that's, that's really cool. cool to think about. I'm glad that you're doing this. Yeah. Thank you, brother. I actually, um, this is an incredible opportunity. There's two things. Um, I'll, I'll get to the second one, but the first thing that with podcasting, since we're on that, uh, I have a friend, Amy and I both have a friend named Sky King and he's just kind of this forward thinking finger on the pulse, like podcasting. I would call him a guru type guy, but he's behind the scenes and he thinks this is the modern Stoa. That's actually his company. I think it's modernstoa.co or something, but the modern Stoa, meaning like the Stoics, like they would have these long form conversations on a topic or a theme. And we don't do that anymore. We lost it until podcasts came back around. Sure. And so now we can really tackle an issue or someone's story and we can give it the time that it needs. And I love that because 
and I'm going to tell you about my tattoo I'm yeah, getting yeah. because um, this tattoo is all stoic philosophy themed. In fact, around my neck, uh, my friends at Alexander Drake made this for me, but it, it, shout out to them. But I collected this coin. It's a Marcus Aurelius silver denarius, and it's from ancient Rome. Uh, it's almost 2000 years old. Wow. Um, and on the back, so that's the fifth of the five good emperors of Rome. He was the one in gladiator that said, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. Mm-hmm. But he was, he, he, he wrote meditations. He's an incredible Roman emperor King that like also was writing this book meditations just for himself on the way that he wanted to live his own life. What's really cool about that. Everyone knows Marcus Aurelius, the fifth of the five good emperors, but hardly any know the fourth of the five good emperors. This is Antinius Pius. What I love about him was he mentored Aurelius because on the front of this, this is Marcus Aurelius at Caesar without a beard. This is the only time you see him on his bust or statues or pictures of him where he doesn't have a beard. And so young Marcus was mentored by Antinius Pius who reigned for 26, 28 years, something like that. But his lineage and his legacy to me, he was the only Roman emperor ever to have a completely peaceful reign. He never went to war. Of all the Roman emperors, wow. he's the only one. But also, he Hadrian created or designed the aqueducts. Well, uh, Pius brought clean water to all of Rome. So he, he, he was a man of, after my own heart, bringing water yeah. to the people that need it. Yeah. But his wife, whenever she died, um, she had started one girl's home, like an orphanage. And one of her dying wishes was that he would do that all throughout Rome. And so he did. He helped create modern charities. Uh, he freed slaves. He stopped the crucifixions for religious persecution or for criminals. He was just like, this is inhumane. And for me, the Stoics, like this, this is memento mori. It's not finished yet. I'm going to have a rose here, but that's a skull, right? I mean, that's not my size dome, but maybe your size <laughs> dome on my head. But it's for me, that means life short. Like uh, that's going to be me someday. That's yeah. going to be you someday. Yeah. That skull. So what are we going to do? Uh, the rose will mean let's make it something beautiful life yeah. short. But whenever we have blood in our veins or skin on our skull or, yeah. or beating heart in our chest or breath in our lungs, like let's, let's make it something beautiful. Let's make it matter. Um, and I'm going to have a bunch more, but um, man, that's, that's at least something that, that, that I think can resonate with your story because you at 25 years old brother with whatever the a doctor might label as a disability, you have labeled as a opportunity and at 25 years old, I'm not kidding, man. The most people that I know that are twice your age, 50, maybe even three times your age, 75, you've outlived five or 10 of them combined, right? I mean, the life you lived, you. have lived, the legacy you've already left. Like, it's incredibly inspiring to me. And I think every person can take note. I want everyone to go follow your social media, your website, all that, because how you live a victorious life and how you help teach coach and just by the way you live and the way people can watch like it inspires them to be victorious to overcome and to take on hard things don't run away from them head towards them and and over here on my arm i'm going to get a, a stoic flame but it's going to be the olympic torch because lived at the olympic training center yeah. national champ all that but really the olympics just inspire me because most of those athletes have a reason that they won yeah the person that broke the world record they broke it because maybe their mom passed and it's in their honor or maybe dad has cancer and this is their last time to be able to see him compete potentially. Right. Yeah. And so they'll find a way to dig deeper than ever before 
And that will push them literally faster than ever before or compel them to do the best in training, wake up early, stay up late, whether it's, it's fighting, maybe they'll diet down. I mean, Dustin Poirier is fighting this weekend with McGregor. You're you're stoked. I'm a Dustin fan. You're a little bit of a McGregor fan, which is great. And, uh, these guys, when they get in there to go to battle, like they have to remind themselves of the reasons why. And I think Dustin is setting himself apart from Connor, my personal opinion, because Connor's been there, done that, and, and and Dustin still is hungry after that belt. Connor's been the double champ. Dustin, you know, he fights tomorrow. These guys yeah. fight tomorrow. Yeah. You guys won't see the, uh, this before then. But anyways, he's got also his charity. He's got his little girl, his beautiful wife Jolie. He's got, he's got the good fight fight foundation. He's teamed up with us. I mean, you you stack up these reasons. And so, what are some of your biggest reasons why you do what you do? Why you live? the life that you live and how, how did it come to, to be from I've got to overcome this stuff to I'm going to help others overcome yeah. a weak mindset. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, which by the way, talking about the conquerors too, like yeah. with his quote that he said that what we do in this lifetime mm. echoes, if we're talking about him 2000 years later, right. Did something right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying wow. that's wild. Wow. Um, and but, I, I wanted it so bad. I was hunting on eBay yeah. <laughs> and, and other websites and auctions and, yeah. and it's a crazy story how I got this yeah. because it was the only one that came available in like 10, mo- 10 months of looking for it. Love that. Yeah. And that, real quick before I answer what you said yeah. too, it's like, um, Tony, Tony says success leaves clues. Mm. And so it's like, if you study someone who has the results that you want, most likely got some secret sauce yeah. like and and so where you said choose like what are you gonna you're gonna watch netflix or you can read an autobiography of someone who has life you want which one's going to be more valuable wow. um, but going back to what you said like my purpose and stuff there's there's two forms of motivation there's push and there's pull mm. right so a lot of us and a lot of people listening right now you've probably been pushing towards your goals pushing towards a relationship goals wealth whatever it may be and we've all gotten burnt out yes yeah. The reason why we get burned out is because you can only push so much. I think burnout for me is what I, I would, I would white knuckle it, whatever. And then I would, I would be pulled in a lot of ways. I think of where you're going, but yep. I would push myself sometimes too far, too much with just checking the boxes. And then I think when I would burn out, get tired, um, lonely, depressed, whatever, um, not open up and have connection, lose connection with people. Yeah. I think when that burnout happened, that's when I'm at my most vulnerable to, to, to repeat a cycle. I mean, there's a lot at risk with me being, uh, an addict and having struggled with suicide. So, but, but some don't deal with it to that extreme, but like, I think I know where you're going, but tell me the difference between push and pull again. Yeah. So like push is, you, you ask most people, why do you go to work? And I say, I have to. Mm. It's not a good enough reason. No. Exactly. Right. So there's yeah. no, there's no motivation. Yeah. Just do it. Right. Um, but if you have a pull, you can pull all day. Right. So the pull is your why we're talking about purpose, whether it's, you know, fight for the forgotten, whether it's the building wells, whether it's who knows, but you find your purpose and that stuff will pull you on the days where you don't want to do it. Mm. And so for me, um, I've kind of like, simplified my ultimate driving force down to like one sentence and it's to give my parents a life like they gave for me. And so like when I don't want to work, I do it for my parents. You know, like I do it for me, but um, I want to like retire my parents. That's one of my ultimate driving forces. But also I've, I've been able to travel the world and see people that have all their limbs and everything and they're living unfulfilled lives. And that really bothers me. Not in the sense of like they're doing something wrong, but in the sense that they only know what they know. Right. And yeah. so like getting into like some weird stuff is like, I just believe that like 
this is just a matrix. Like we're, we're just in a game and most, most people are unconscious. Hmm. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because like studies show by the age of 35, you are 95% on autopilot, meaning your thoughts, your actions, your behaviors, your feelings, your triggers, the way that you talk is 95% unconscious. And there's only 5% of your conscious brain that's trying to change. Wow. And so like, have you ever had a, a time where like you just snapped at someone and you're like, that's not me. It's unconscious. Yeah. Just you did it. Or have you ever had three weeks, four months, two years where you go, where did time go by? You're unconscious. And so most people are drifting through the world on their unconscious autopilot. And I want to break people out of their autopilot, like yeah. shake them and be like, hello, like wake up, you're in the game. Like let's, let's at least do something great, like purposeful, like let's have a fulfilled life. Right. Yeah. Um, but your autopilot comes from your upbringing, like the way that your parents talk to you, the things that you were exposed to, your environment. Right. Like, for example, like the that I love the, the Dr. Pepper story that you tell is an amazing yeah. story. And like when they said, like, you're not worthy, like you believed it. Mm. And that's why we feel that way. Right. And it's, it's not until we break through of that belief and rewire a new belief, then we'll always have that feeling come up. Yeah. Right. Um, Real quick on that. Yeah. Uh, the. The trans, Dr. Pepper Transformer story, some people haven't heard oh, yeah, that, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, potentially, yeah. but I'm not going to go into that. But yeah. what I'm going to say from it is I was inspired to dress up like a Dr. Tri Pepper Transformer. I liked it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Dr. Optimus Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> but on the drive over here, you came to my talk and I got to tell them we're about to go do this podcast. We were just at Red Rock Casino here in Vegas. And on the way back, Amy had taken some notes and she told me, you know, you can look at this in a different way. You have consciously tried to transform from where you were as that little kid and transform that hurt into healing or transform that hurt into love or hate into love. And I think that you are a transformation expert. You've transformed yourself and then me trying to overcome these things throughout my life and help others overcome them. I mean, I'm, I really think like now I can look at that. I go, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I've been trying to transform myself from that bullied kid into now helping others that have been bullied or felt forgotten at the lunch table by myself. Now try to transform to help the most forgotten people group in the world. Yeah. But brother, like the way that you have transformed your mindset and are shaking people to while they're asleep, <laughs> you know? Yeah. With, uh, with sometimes an abrupt, just by the way you live, you're like, Whoa, just seeing you like, wow, look at that guy. <laughs> yeah, if he yeah. can do it, I can do it. Yeah. You know, but other times it's like this gentle, sweet nudge and just the way that you use your powerful voice, um, and the words, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm rewatching this so I can take notes. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah. I, I think I thank you for that. I think, um, it goes back to asking great questions, right? Mm. And so like, you can look at that moment. Um, by the way, we're all leaving you on a cliffhanger with this Dr. Pepper story. You have to go find his yeah, Dr. Yeah. Pepper story somewhere. <laughs> um, but most of the time, what's really powerful is you can, you can reflect on an event and ask yourself like, what are the learnings mm. or what are the teachings yeah. or what did it sculpt me into? And right. and like from an outside perspective, like being your friend, like, Dude, the reason why like you're so compassionate and loving and you love people and you have some e so much empathy is because so many people hurt you mm. and you want to do different. Yeah. Now, I'm going to let you know that if you had the perfect childhood and the perfect mom and the perfect dad and the perfect upbringing that you wouldn't be Justin Wren. Mm. That's bottom line. That's it. Bro, that, that's it. So because of the pain that you've gone through, you don't want other people to go through that same pain. And that's why you change the world. 
But if you didn't go through any pain, you may be just living life somewhere. We wouldn't yeah. be in this interview, bro. Yeah. Because so like, in a sense, like you can look back and like, you can thank those kids. Yes. Like, thank you. Yes. Like, and, and you were sure, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like you, we, you thank those kids. We, Amy and I just had a little meditation before we came out here. And this is so crazy in line with what we were talking about. She was telling me, put her hand on my heart and tell me, thank those kids. Yeah. You know, this is giving you such an opportunity. You wouldn't be who I know and love. Who She said, literally, we, you wouldn't be who we know and love. And we wouldn't be here right now if, if those kids didn't hurt you. So thank them. And uh, it's just so wild because hearing it from you, hearing it from two that I love the most and respect the most and aspire to be like, you know, it, 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 it really hits home. I started, I started having a little bit of tears. Coming. Yeah. Um, and then that's not, that's not a just like a, a whisper. It's not like it's coincidental. It's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. Like that was supposed to happen. And, and, and she was supposed to say that and I was supposed to reinforce it. Mm -hmm. That's how life goes. Welcome to the matrix. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, man. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you are supposed to be born like this because brother, you're one of the most inspirational people walking the face of this earth. Thank you, brother. And, but I do, uh, you know what I do think about? Huh. Take this on a weird road. Yeah, I always yeah. do think about, you know, like Spartan movies. If I was born like this during Spartan times, it would have kicked me down the hole. So I'm glad that I was yeah, born yeah, yeah. this time. Yeah. I think this is like my eighth life. I've probably been yeah. around. I'm kind of like Baby Yoda. Um, Maybe you lost it in a war. Yeah, yeah. Back and, yeah, right? And, but I always yeah. think, do you, do you believe in like past lives and stuff? What are your thoughts on that? Man, I'm, I just I'm up in the air on it. No, no. Okay, I, I'm up in the air on it because I wasn't raised that way at all. But yep. I've, I've been surrounded by more and more people that talk about it. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I, I have such a deep heartfelt and I've had these people tell me that, oh, you have a, a hunter gather connection thing like that because and I, I went and lived with a hunter gather tribe. They didn't even know that when they met me. And so, and I have such a deep love for the pygmy people. Um, but man, I just know that I know that I know that this was a, a God given gift to me from, uh, him or him, her, whatever, whatever you want to say, yeah, yeah. but, but to have that relationship, to have that second family, to have them teach me so many lessons in my life, um, about the way to live, about the way to love, about the way to care for one another, um, and about the way to get, I don't know if it's fulfillment or connection through like each other. Like we got to have each other. And I, I think that living in twig and leaf huts that they do, man, there, there's no walls. It's not these big, they would consider every home here a castle, right? Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, yeah, we retreat to it. We retreat to it. We hide, we isolate and we numb out whether it's on the video games or the phone or the TV. And like that takes away from time being with each other, whether it's with being with your neighbor that for the pygmies, like if an argument happens with a husband and wife, you know, everyone in the village hears it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. if a kid's in trouble for doing something, like everyone knows it. Yeah. But what's also so beautiful is like, if someone is messing up in the tribe, if they're, if they're, they're, they're just being a knucklehead, out of love, they bring that person in, sit them down with the elders, their wives, everyone else. And they talk with them like, Hey, this is happening. We see it. We see it. You can't hide it, man. Yeah. We love you. This is out of love. Like we got to make a change. So, powerful. so high accountability, but in a really loving, incredible way. And that person's presented with a choice. The choice is change and stay part of the tribe, the village. If you don't, 
like after a while you get chances, second chances, all I love. But after a while, they're like, Hey man, you got to go find another village to live in. And it's almost like it's hard. I've seen it happen once, but it was a guy that was hurting people, you know? And so ended up kind of excluding them. And I'm sure that's really hard, but they did it out of love, out of love, out of love, out of love and gave them every opportunity. And who knows now that might've been the best thing to ever happen to that guy. Just like me having to go to treatment. Um, but anyways, whenever you, you bring it to that, I'm just like, yeah, man, we, we, we disconnect in so many ways here and there, even in pain, you're able to connect with each other more. The struggle, when you struggle, you don't have to struggle alone. They struggle together. Yeah. When I told them, I would love to at least ask you about the song, Can You Hear Me? Yeah. And uh, the music video and where it came from. Because when I was there with the Pygmy people, um, and I've been going back the last 10 years, but when I first told them about my suicide attempt the first time, it it had them cross-eyed and confused. Like they were looking around at each other. They didn't understand. And I only told a small group, right? But their question back to me is like, why would you ever do that? And I was like, what do you mean? They go, why would you ever hurt yourself? That just hurts everyone else. And it was like such an inconsiderate, like unthinkable thing for someone to do self-harm. Like they had not even heard of anyone in their villages, in their region. They go, we might've heard of someone killing themselves sometime, but there, I think because they struggle together, they get through things mm. um, together. Yeah. And, um, and it leads me into thinking like, man, there's so many struggles we have that we're so ashamed to talk about in our culture. They're like there you can't hide and you have to talk about, you're forced to talk about. And I think it's even, even going and collecting water, like no one goes and does it alone. They go as a group and it might be a six mile hike. Yeah. And it might be kids, women, like they are struggling. 44 pounds, five gallon bucket, or five gallon jerry can. It's 44 pounds in full. Sometimes those kids are carrying two of them. 88 pounds. Yeah. Some of the time I'm thinking like, and someone put it on their heads and I'm just like, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it that long. My neck would hurt. My back would hurt. All that other stuff. But they have just become resilient through circumstances. Yeah. But you, whenever it comes to like, can you hear me? Like, can you share some of the, can you set it up and, and share yeah. like what that song was about? Yeah. So, um, I do a lot of things, right? We yeah. do a bunch of things. Um, but one of a question I asked myself, I think during like COVID and stuff, I was like, um, what, what would little kid Nick want to do? Hmm. You know? Cause I think as we grow adults that we, we stop doing the things that we did as kids that really makes feel good. Mm. Right. It's kind of like flow state, like things like when you do that time kind of passes by for maybe if you're, maybe for you, it's dancing, it's chess, it's knitting. I don't care what it is, but there's probably a few things you left in your childhood that you should implement in your adulthood. Yeah. And so one of that for me was like singing, just like music. I just love music. And, um, I wanted to, I also realized the music industry is shit and they are just conditioning people for drugs and alcohol and, strip club. I mean, we can go on that rabbit hole all day. Right. And so I wanted to create my thought process actually was that only a small percentage of the world will see me on a personal development stage. Not everyone goes to personal development stage. So I'm really only impacting a small percentage of the world. But if I created music, music moves the world, Hmm. music moves everyone. So say someone saw me at a concert and then they followed my Instagram and then they saw I have a confidence course. And then I saw I have a mastermind and coaching like that person could be changed just by one song and the funnel goes on and on and on. Right. And so I wanted to create music that's meaningful. Um, And so do you hear me was a, a song about suicide rates. Um, because like I had suicidal thoughts, um, you know, you, you've tempted, right? Like yeah. we struggle with that stuff. And 
Um, there's a lot of people that struggle that struggle with that that you never know. Yeah. Right. They struggle alone. They struggle in darkness, probably because they thought vulnerability is weak. Yeah. Well, just on that, because I, because we know statistics will share these stories, but yeah. like for people that don't know before COVID pre COVID ages 10 to 24 years old, the second killer in the United States was suicide before COVID. But this year I know I've been to several funerals huh. and I know four people that have taken their life Wow! just this year alone. And this is when COVID is, we're kind of coming out of it. Right. Um, I know a really close friend that worked at a suicide hotline for years and she had to stop during COVID for her own mental health because she was fielding calls like no ever, none other ever before. They think some experts have alluded to that because of COVID and the isolation and the disconnection that that will take the number one spot. Um, suicide. Take away human connection. Yeah. Take away everything. Yeah. So back to, that's to a whole rabbit hole yeah. Too. yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Um, so Cause I cried whenever I watched that music video. Yeah. And the words are powerful. Music. Yeah. So it was just a, a song more to relate of that perspective is life and that you, you know, that, um, just bringing awareness to suicide and suicide awareness. And actually, I don't even know, know if you know this, but you had texted me before I wrote that song, by the way, you had texted me an article of a nine-year-old kid who hung himself. Yeah. And you're like, and, and we were probably doing some work together. And yeah. in the song, because of that article, the, 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 the line is, um, we have nine-year-olds smart enough to tie a noose. This is a problem, you know, and I kept going, right? That's from your article. And so I like, like that, that article stood out to me of like, even we have nine-year-olds smart enough to tie a noose. Like this is a problem. Like even nine-year-olds are taking their life. Right. So that was just reinforcing that. um, um, The reason I sent you that was because my mom is the one that knew the mother that made the, my parents have a photography company and studio and they made the memorial plaque. Wow. Um, but my mom knew the mom. Wow. And uh, to think of a nine-year-old doing that. Yeah. Um, my mom sent it to me. I went in I went in and put my arm around her. And while she was holding that memorial thing, she just cried in my arm saying, this could have been you. You know, mm. it shouldn't be him. Yeah. And uh, I just felt prompted and compelled to tell you her to tell you his story. Yeah. yeah. And so like, yeah, I put that in there because I thought it was super powerful. But it was just a song to bring, bring awareness because I want... Um, like you said, like even me just living my life, people like get mind, mind fucked, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know if I could say yeah, that. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, mind fucked. Anytime. So they're like, holy shit, like what is this guy doing? Like yeah. if, if he's happy, like why can I be happy? Like it can just be a subtle thing. Like it's right. even, even anyone, like just a simple smile to a stranger, you may change that person's life. They Like someone may be going through life and thinking they have a belief that ter- people are terrible and people are mean. And then one day, like you're like, hey, nice shirt. And they're like whoa, there are nice people out there. I was going to kill myself tonight. But yeah. because that person smiled at me or complimented me, my life's going to change forever. You'll never know the ripple effect. Yeah. I, I actually just got, um, I did an Instagram live and I was going in an ice bath and that helps train the vagus nerve, which actually yeah. shows the the parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system. Come, come do it. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Come to down. Austin and Amy and I will put you in ice. Great. I'm in. And uh, dude, it's, but anyways, while I was in there, uh, he said in the chat, you know, that me just sharing my story, um, like he was on the Brooklyn bridge. Damn. He was on the Brooklyn bridge. Um, couldn't jump. 
and decided not to. And I actually got a message from him. Uh, help me remember to get back to him, Amy, please. But um, uh, th- uh, not that I would forget, but it's uh, this morning. He sent me a message again saying how he wants to help and change people's lives and all that stuff wow. because he almost took his own. And um, I was just like, whoa, like the weight of that. Yeah. You know, like I know, brother, that you have changed lives, saved lives, bettered lives. And um, I'm just so, so fucking grateful for the human being. I broke the F bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. First podcast, it's out the way. It's out the way. (laughs) The vanilla gorilla can say it too. Yeah. But uh, I think, but but for those that are listening to, I want to reinforce that like, um, it takes a true man or a true woman to voice what they're going through. Mm. Right. Because I'm, I'm telling you, we've been conditioned, like, don't cry, like be strong. Like don't talk about your problems. Don't You're, do you'll be a burden if you yeah, do. Exactly. And that's the total opposite. Yeah. And so like, even just spreading the message of, of if you're struggling, like voice it out. Yeah. Um, like ask for help. Like it's not weak. It, it's actually like weak to like, just hold on to it and not share anything. And, um, I don't know if you know this either, but this, the 31st would be his birthday. My, my brother overdosed mm-hmm. and it was, it was about a year, a year and a half ago. And, um, it's a brother that I wanted to be like and everything. And he was a Marine and it was like a great dude. Right. And then just the, the drugs took over and, um, may, I, I don't know, maybe the thought process that he didn't want to ask for help. I mean, he asked for help, but it was like, it just went back and forth. Sober, not sober, sober, not sober, sober, not sober. Right. Um, but the, the very reason why change is hard, because we would agree change is hard. Change yeah. is really hard is because your old software and your old identity is always trying to bring you back mm. to mm. who you were. Yeah. And, and, and so like, for example, like we've all had moments where we, we lose the weight and then what do we do? We gain it back mm-hmm. or we get the girlfriend and then we self-sabotage it because we don't think we're worthy. Right. Like there's a lot of yo-yoing going on. And the reason being is because your mind wants what's comfortable, what's known and what's certain. And so we become addicted to how things make us feel. That could be drugs, that could be gambling, that could be porn, like you name it, you get addicted the way that it makes you feel. And so when you attempt to change your life- Make you feel or change the way you're currently feeling. Or change your state, yeah, Yeah, change the way that you make you feel. Like you don't like the way you're feeling, so you wanna feel something else, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you attempt to change your life, and this is important for those that are listening, when you attempt to change your life, whether that's going on a diet, whether that's working out, whether that's trying to get sober, right? Your, Your mind goes, Oh, I don't like these new feelings. Mm. I don't like sobriety or I don't like happiness or I don't, I'm not used to feeling this. And so what it will do is it'll send thoughts to your mind and the thoughts will go like this. The thoughts will be like, you're just like your dad. Mm. You're just like your mom. Hit the snooze button. You deserve chocolate. Do it tomorrow. You deserve that cigarette. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and yeah. so it's in Absolutely. those defining moments that you either override your old software or you fall victim and you fall back to who you are. Yeah. Well, man, from being in the recovery world, they say that drugs and alcohol were never the problem. They were my solution. My problem was the way that I felt yep. or, or my thought process or those, those under deeply rooted beliefs, thing, or yeah, beliefs and everything yep. else. And so you just have always gone to that as the solution. So now you have to provide a new solution and, and be able to handle those feelings when you get uncomfortable, yeah. become comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. That's the, that is jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to be that's life. Being uncomfortable. That's life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's life. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah. life. And uh, but I but thank you for for sharing about your brother here openly. Yeah. Um, 
I am curious whether it was, I know you, you had, a, you looked up to me, you had a great relationship, all that stuff, but, but is there anything you would tell someone that's going through what he went through or is there anything that you maybe wish you could have said or that would have, would have landed and, and hit home? This is an interesting, it's an interesting point. Um, so, so a few things, um, it got to the point where I had to distance myself right, I remember just because of things were happening. Right. Mm-hmm. But I could be there verbally, like I give it advice. So I was always there for him advice, like messaging me that, that, that stuff. I was always there. Right. So don't, I don't have any regrets, but I also, it was a challenge because I was like, I change people's lives all the time. Why can't I help my brother? Yeah. Right. So there's also a point, I know that feeling. It, there's also a point where like, it's, it's like the quote, like you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't force it to drink. And some may say like, you can, you can drown it. You can shove its head in the water, but people won't change if they don't want to change. Right. Or if they're not ready to change, yeah. you can't force the change. Right. So, um, but also a part of me, brother, I think that some people, they go through life and that this is like their journey. Like this is like yeah. their, the path that they live and the story that they've wrote and that they kind of like they go on and they have another life and they learn more lessons and maybe they have a better life than that one. Like that's kind of just my take on it. Um, but also for, for those that are struggling, like one, you're not alone. And, and two, like you said, like the pygmy said, you don't have to struggle alone. Um, but if you want me to speak direct, it'll be stupid for you to suffer by yourself rather than suffer with someone else or at least voice your problems. Yeah. Because if, if you struggle and you don't tell anyone and something happens, you didn't tell anyone. And so that, that's kind of how I kind of feel like letting people know you don't have to struggle alone. Yeah. Um, reach out. There's so much help. There's so many groups. Um, but also you have to change your environment hmm. because you can become sober, but if you hang around people who are doing the same shit, you're going to do the same shit. Right. It's only a matter of time. If you hang around people who have low standards, it's only a matter of time you lower your own standards. And so I think people can get clean, but if they don't switch their whole entire environment, happens again yeah and i think that was my my i think that was the challenge for my brother in the sense of like he got clean multiple times but the environment that he was in he didn't want to change um and he just went back to the old thing and people don't want to change because it's uncomfortable and average is easy wow it's comfortable yeah i could just stay here wow if change was easier if change was easy everybody Everybody would change their damn life yeah everyone would do it I think for me, um, in competition or with fight for the forgotten and like thinking we have this goal, let's get there. Um, or in recovery, I think I've always had to like raise the bar of necessity to why, like with those reasons, those whys, those everything else. And to make that change, like I'm, I'm actually about to go move all my stuff from Oklahoma city to Austin. I've been living in Austin. But I knew that for me, Oklahoma City is great. It's a gym. I love it. But I, I had failed and I had um, relapsed and I had, and I just, that apartment to me, it's great. It's got a good thing, all that stuff. It's tied to things. I needed a change and everything. Once I made that change, like the, my orbit, my circumstances, my atmosphere, it's like the oxygen got more pure and I can breathe deeper. And uh, all of a sudden, like things were being magnetized. We had a donor walk into the yard and said, no, I mean, a a new donor said, Hey, uh, I heard you're here. Here's a check. 
And I'm like, what? Like, how does that happen? And, uh, and just for making that change. And I moved there. It's like the podcast Mecca of the world about to be. And now I get to start mine. And now you're my first guest and <laughs> all this stuff. And it's because I made a change that was going to be hard for me. I was like, I, I don't know if I want, but there's a great recovery community yeah. in Austin. Yeah. Um, Amy's in Austin, <laughs> uh, but, but there's so much opportunity there. But at first it was a struggle for me because I got comfortable. Yeah. In Oklahoma City. And I thought I couldn't even train MMA in Austin. There's not a big MMA thing there. That's your brain trying to justify, like, these are the reasons why I shouldn't, you know? Well, now, I mean, it's got to be off the radar, but uh, I can't go public with it yet. But but Austin is about to become an MMA mecca of the world, too. And um, so I'm not even going to have to. I, I was keeping my apartment in Oklahoma city because I thought I have to go back there to train. Yeah. Now my main training partner and the only reason for me to stay there is coming down to Austin all the time. And his coach who trained him is coming there. It's Rafael Lovato jr. He's going to be coming to Austin a lot. Shanji Hibero moved to Austin already. I've got my grappling covered. Now I got my striking covered through my new sponsor and recovery. He's a badass mm-hmm. and he's a boxing coach, striking coach. And he's there for me always. So me just making that move now, I mean, other people are attracted there for so many reasons. You get sucked yeah. into the Austin, Texas vortex. Yeah. You've been yeah, there. Yeah. It's amazing. They got good food. Too. They do got good food. I love food. Great barbecue. I, I can't wait to take you. Bodybuilding. Out. <laughs> I like that too much. <laughs> exactly. But anyways, uh, not to get off on the side. It's just it is hard to do uh, make change. Um, but I think when you decide, I mean, there's Ryan Holiday, the guy that's that's done a lot of the daily Stoic kind of modernizing Stoic philosophy, and he's got a book called The Obstacle Is the Way you know, head towards the challenge. And I remember climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, I got to a false summit and uh, I was doing it with some military veterans and some Super Bowl champions and the military veterans, uh, some of them were amputees and things. And they fucking dug so deep and were such an inspiration, like puking, like crazy. we had a stomach bug. Yeah. And these guys going up there, one of the guys had like tears freezing to his face because he was puking diarrhea and he was still going, nothing was going to make him turn back. But we got to a false summit and these people from, uh, uh, I forget if it's the Netherlands or Austria, they're from Austria. They go, the summit's right there. It's right around the corner. And we pass a corner and we see these flags and we see this post and man, did we pick it up mm-hmm. and we went there and we got right to it. And it was some other like landmark. Uh, it was a high point, but it, it wasn't, wasn't the summit. summit. Yeah. And we all got there and we were exhausted and guys were crying and puking. And we got there and the disappointment, you know, the disappointment like was like, wow. We got what did they say? Out. They were we, just like, hey, we were just kidding. No, no. They were going the opposite way. They were coming down. <laughs> so so they, were, I don't know why they said that to us, but maybe they were just God. messing with us. Maybe someone did it to them. So they yeah, did it yeah. to us. <laughs> telephone game. But, but we got there and one of the guys turned around. One of our, one of our team, that false summit hit him so hard. This, and this wasn't one of the military veterans amputees. This was a pro athlete, um, decided to turn back and, uh, couldn't do it. And it's crazy, man. I think a lot of times in our life we'll have a false summit. I've never related this to anything, but for me, that relapse, I thought my recovery was going well before I went to treatment. And then I had that, I thought, I'm at the summit. It's not going to take me out. And I didn't get vigilant. I didn't decide to keep doing what I needed to do. And then, you know, I decided to turn back yeah. and, and go the other way, make wrong choices. And so, man, I, um, 
I'm so grateful that I have people like you in my life. You, you know what? I, not that I need to apologize to you, but I do know that you wrote, do you hear me? I was even a, a, a I inspired a, a, a lyric in the song from sharing that with you. You came to, to the school. You, you did all these amazing, incredible things for our organization. You helped the high school raise $360,000 for a nonprofit. And whenever I relapsed, I felt like I couldn't share it with anyone because these good things were happening. And if I told anyone, would I lose that? And I was losing myself to the drugs. And um, I know I could have reached out to you. And I didn't. Um, there was a, a big support team around me and I didn't utilize that, yeah. you know? So anyways, I guess, I guess going through some recovery steps and stuff, there'll be a moment where I'll, I'll, I'll tell my sponsor, he'll have me make amends and I'll ask, how can I make things right? But I just want to look you in the eyes, man, and tell you, I love you so much. Thank you for being there for Thank me. You, Thank you for coming out to my nonprofit and s- waiving any speaking fee, traveling, coming and giving your all which changed lives. I don't know if you remember, but after that talk, people came up to us that were suicidal. Yep. that had been bullied. That school yep. had lost two students that year to suicide. Yep. And I feel like the trajectory of that school changed whenever you came in there. We did it. We did we it. We did it. Together. Yes, sir, brother. Love yeah. you well, we've got like uh, just a couple minutes, my man, um, because we got cards on these uh, things. Okay. So we can't keep going. And you got a hard stop. But brother, I absolutely um, am so grateful for the man that you are. I've said that a few times, but is there anything as we wrap up, people can find you at, at Nick Santanastasso on Instagram, your website, all that stuff. But before that, is there anything that's like coming up for you to either share or a story or a thing to say that just you feel prompted? Yeah, I'd say... Thank you for all that. I would say just to leave them with, um, and this goes for everyone that the, the foundation to your success is in all areas of your life just comes down to the way that you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And the more that we find out ways to love ourselves and follow through in the very things that we say we're going to do, we can build that self-worth. The, the quote that I'd say is you'll never make more than you think you're worth. Mm-hmm. And that's in all areas of your life. If you don't think you're worth a relationship, you won't get it. If you don't think you're worth the mindset, you won't have it. If you don't think you're worth the money, you won't make the money. And so we've been conditioned as humans to seek validation from external things like watches, houses, cars, Instagram likes, you name it. We get validation from that, Um, but it's an empty path. And so when you start seeking validation from within, um, then then your life begins to change. We think um, the external is going to fix the internal, but the only thing that will fix the internal is the internal. Wow. That's powerful, brother. Thanks, brother. I speak a little bit. Yeah, you're, 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 you're a living example. Well, yeah, they, they can find you me. You live it, you breathe it. Thank you. Yeah, um, find, you me, find me at uh, Nick Santa Nastasso. That's a really long last name. So if you type in Nick Santo, I'm the guy with tattoos, no legs, one arm, you can't miss me. Yeah. I'm all over. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for being here. How serendipitous is this? A gorilla um, for... I don't know. You're a gorilla in spirit. I'm, I look like a gorilla. He was like, I think oh, we need this. I think like, we it looks need this. Right? Looks yeah. So my man, thank you so much. My goal for this podcast is for it to be one of the most meaningful podcasts in the world mm. um, to help people overcome whatever it is they face. You are an overcomer for sure. I've overcome a lot, but I look at you and I'm just like, wow, you know, <laughs> you look at this guy. I want to do anything I ever can to prop you up 
um, because people need to hear your message. Thank you, brother. They need to know about you. I know the world does, but uh, anything I could ever do to be of service in that, I'm here. Um, and and thank you for always being there for me. You got it, brother. Likewise, yeah. throw up the bat signal and I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> I love you, my man. It'll, it'll you, be a gorilla signal. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, my man. Awesome. Love you, bro. Thank you for listening to Overcome. If you could, please just like, share, rate, review, subscribe, so you can get the weekly updates every time we drop a new episode. Weekly. You can also check out our website at fightfortheforgotten.org. If you haven't had the opportunity, we have our Fight Club. You can join that, our monthly subscription donation base, and uh, that makes us so sustainable to where we know every month what we can give and how we can grow. We're sending you an invitation to join our tribe with Fight for the Forgotten, to fight for the pygmy people in Uganda, Congo, but also here, stateside. Remember, we're all facing challenges, but you can overcome. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.